Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. Dave LaGreca and ECW legend Tommy Dreamer break down the legacy of the territories and delve into Mid-South Wrestling. Welcome to Legacy of the Territories, Mid-South Wrestling. And I'm here with, to me, the most complete encyclopedia when it comes to pro wrestling, my tag team partner, the landlord of the House of Hardcore and the Heart and Soul a professional wrestling, Tommy Dreamer. Tommy, how are you today? I am wonderful, and they all said my useless knowledge would get me nowhere. But everyone, thank you, Nation, for making this podcast truly special. Uh, Dave and I, it's a passion project of ours, and the overwhelming response has been very, very positive. So we will continue to keep the train rolling. I agree. And we're going to get into a territory today, Tommy, and I don't know if I agree with it, I'm interested if you agree with it, but I think most fans would probably say that Mid-South Wrestling may be the greatest territory of all time. A lot of fans that I speak to, you know, they speak very glowingly of Mid-South and Mid-South Wrestling, when you look at its heyday uh, with owner Bill Watts, 1979 to 1986, uh, Bill Watts took it over from Leroy, Leroy McGurk. Uh, but do you agree, Tommy, that Mid-South is maybe the best territory of all time? Man, there's so many great angles, so much great thing. But if you talk about business, man, they were in business for a long, long time. And if it wasn't for the overall economy in that area at the time of the expansion, I think things may have been, you know, a different story. We've we've done a bunch of these, and there's these been, been these pivotal moments of what happened or what ifs for this. Uh, you also look at the industry now and, you know, it's 2022 and we're talking about a company that's still in very, very passionate for a lot of us. And we're talking, we've seen repeat angles, but the biggest part about it is stadiums and recurring stadium shows like that is for WWE. It's, you know, WrestleMania, a Royal rumble, but this company, a regional company, was able to work stadium a couple of times a year. That's pretty important. And, and think about that where you had the foresight or, hey, my show is so over. We're, we're bigger than these arenas. We got to move it. And, and another thing that I love and when you watch it on Peacock or if you find it on YouTube, you can see the growth and the excitement of the company and, and you know, a, a lot. Bill Watts, another guy under the, you know, the tree of Eddie Graham. He invested a lot in his baby faces. He invested a lot in his, 
heels, his angles, but it was psychology a lot for him and rules. And he was a strickler for different type of rules for that era, for that place, it worked. But then when he went on to other places, it was proven that it wouldn't work. And as a great booker, as a great um, person who's running a company, you have to adapt with the times. And, and Terry Funk is the one who not only did it, but he told him it. If you don't adapt by, with the times, the times will pass you by. It's interesting because you talk about those stadium shows, uh, the Superdome in New Orleans. Even today, it looks pretty similar to the days when Mid-South was running their shows. I, um, I love New Orleans and I love that stadium because it still reminds me on the inside and the outside, just like the stadium we would see back in the day on TV when Mid-South used to run their shows. And it's funny, Tommy, that you talked about adapting and changing with the times. And we're going to cover the complete history of Mid-South wrestling. In 1986, Bill Watts went national uh, with Mid-South Wrestling, which a lot of the smaller promotions tried to do to compete with the WWF that went national just a few years before that. And it was a colossal failure. So in his attempts to stay with the times, you took a promotion that was about as over as any other promotion and extremely popular that in a year's time was selling off to Jim Crockett promotions. Yeah. Well, I mean, one that I talked about, that was the overall, the, the bust of the oil in, you know, yes. the Oklahoma, Texas, Mid-South area where that was a, there goes your economy. And that wasn't on him. The other part was stars were leaving and stars were leaving for, you know, that's what Vince McMahon did when he ate up these, he took all of the guy's top draws to try to put it away from, you know, the junkyard dog. And then, you know, the worst part about what you could do is try to replace it and then badmouth the guy that was your top star. So th these are the, the moments where you could see like, oh, this is where stuff went wrong. Because you can't tell the audience this guy is the biggest, the baddest, the roughest, the toughest. And then when he leaves, he, you know, he chose to do, you know, sports entertainment or he's not you know a pure wrestler or not a man of his word you can't rip him up like that i'm talking about the junkyard dog because i mean they would yeah. say this and then he tried to replace it with other wrestlers george wells iceman king parsons there was a lot of you know turning butch reed um because in that area he saw the success that he had with the junkyard dog who did a famous blinding angle uh with the free birds and the hair and then he in that he was looking for a popular African-American wrestler to tow the company line and be that. But Junkyard Dog, it doesn't matter if you're black or you're white. He had that charisma. And then a lot of people couldn't adapt to that charisma. And I, I watch it now. At one point, they had Hacksaw Jim Duggan, um, Junkyard Dog, Terry Taylor, and the Rock and Roll Express. And it was just next level for fans wanting to cheer them and then the heat that the heels could get on them. You know, again, we'll go back to the Michael Hayes blinding the junkyard dog. Here's the junkyard dog, the most popular guy. He gets blinded in unheard of times up until the last time I heard it was when Sandman did the same exact thing. When I blinded him, the junkyard dog first stayed home and then he went and he went to, you know, he went out 
but he went out into the downtown of New Orleans and he saw his people and he went with like he really couldn't see and he had a handler and he was like, man, I'm going to get Michael Hayes if I could just see him. Cuts a passionate promo that they're going to be connected by um, the neck with the dog collar and it drew. But living that angle and living that life of where you are 100% engrossed into what you do or like, I mean, the famous, here's the older wrestler, Mr. Wrestling number two, who was in the early days of Mid-South, like a top, top act. He was a top act wherever he went. And then he's training this young up and comer, Magnum TA. And then this long over, you know, over time story when Magnum finally, it's like, you know, you think you've learned everything. Well, I'm your T. And then when he smacked him in his face and TA did nothing, it was another thing that I did with Terry Funk. And uh, why I'm saying it, not about me, 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 about these are things that Paul Heyman saw and recreated them in other ways. And we've seen this done a million times. And just, you know, with the, the, the Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, we're fortunate to, for this show, hands-on, we're going to get those stories, so I'll save it. But these are all when the territory started dying a little bit because Bill Watts was going with his own stuff. He brings in Bill Dundee, and Bill Dundee said, "Where, who's going to draw in the women? You need your good-looking baby faces. And then that's where the territory adapted again, and that's when it really did blow up, up. Yeah, you look at star power. You mentioned it, the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, Junkyard Dog, which, you know, we saw just a shell, I believe, of what the junkyard dog was when he went nationally in the WWF because in Mid-South, he was maybe one of the greatest babyface wrestlers of all time. Dick Murdoch, Terry Taylor, Butch Reed, Dick Slater, uh, the Ernie Ladd. The list goes on and on. Mr. Wrestling 2, as you mentioned before, Magnum TA. The list, the list is big when it comes to the stars. But I think, Tommy, and you alluded to it, the biggest thing – and why Mid-South Wrestling was so popular and why it's still talked about today is the stories, the storylines that were used. Like you said, the the blinding angle with Michael Hayes and Junkyard Dog that drew, you know, tens of thousands of people uh, to the Superdome in New Orleans. That's really the reason why, you know, all these years later, and listen, Mid-South hasn't been around since 1986. So you're talking decades and decades but that that sweet spot of Bill Watts Mid South was 1979 to 1986, less than a decade, Tommy. But here we are, you know, almost 40 years later, people still talking about Mid South wrestling. Uh, I'm while you're talking, I'm looking up on my phone today on Instagram. Someone posted this was the semi main event of the first ever Superdome card, and it was Captain Redneck who was Dick Murdoch under a mask with Bill Watts in his corner versus Killer Carl Cox. And I don't remember who's in his corner. That's where I was looking it up in the first ever Jim Bowie death match, which I was like, what the hell are they talking about? But this pops up on my Instagram feed today. And I was yeah. just like, and this is the semi main event. And I see the crowd and I'm like, whoa, I know for me and ECW, when we went to Louisiana it was next level for us. And this was our first four day loop in the history of our company. And the people came out and then like, wow, I'm still working. Like you said, that same arena 
in Homa, Louisiana, that they would do every Sunday. And the people loved their wrestling. And we would do New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Homa, somewhere else, Alexandria, which was part of the loop. But it was the wrestling fans were so deep and entrenched with professional wrestling as part of their culture. It was something that I would never forget. And I think that's also another big part of why Mid-South is so special and why we're still talking about it today. Now, you talk about the single stars, but we got to get into the tag teams as well because maybe one of the greatest tag teams and one of the greatest tag team feuds involved the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express. And that followed through other organizations, but it really started in Mid-South Wrestling. And somebody that we're going to talk to, Tommy, coming up next is one of the biggest legends ever when it comes to tag team wrestling. And that's Ricky Morton. And he's going to join us when myself and Tommy are back. Legacy of the Territories, Mid-South Wrestling. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to Factormeals.com Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. This is Busted Open's presentation of the Legacy of the Territories. Mid-South Wrestling with your hosts, Dave LaGreca and ECW legend, Tommy Dreamer. Back here on Legacy of the Territories talking Mid-South Wrestling. And Tommy, uh, really looking forward to speaking to our next guest, Hall of Famer, one half of one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Whether it doesn't really matter, Tommy, as you know, what promotion that Ricky was a part of. He's one of the biggest baby faces in the history of pro wrestling, and we welcome in now Mr. Ricky Morton. Sir, how are you today? Man, I'm always good, and besides that, it's just a great pleasure to be on your show today. Uh listen to you. it a lot. Now I'll be a part of it, so I uh, guess I better really watch what I say here. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll will never no. die. You're proving it. Come on now. Oh, I got you. I got you. Now, we're going to talk about Mid-South Wrestling? Hell yeah. Yes. All right. So let's let's dive right in. I think when, listen, I, I guess Star Wars, you say Luke Skywalker, you think of Darth Vader. Like any kind of big yeah. movie franchise or any great story, you speak of the hero and you speak of the villain. Do you feel the same way when you think of your feud with the Midnight Express? That immediately people usually think of the Midnight Express when you mention the Rock and Roll Express. Yes, you do. And this is something that at our at our time in our era 1985 and 86 and they, well 80 83 84 85 and 86 uh we had the best feud at that time ever in professional wrestling i mean the rock and roll express against the midnight express 
and everybody in the world, including me, hated Jimmy Cornette. Uh, I mean, he was just a great heel manager, and, and, and I'm saying it at, at our time. You know, everybody has their time in this business. Robert and I, time really, really blew it out of the water. And, and I'm glad that you're talking about Mid-South Wrestling because, guys, I was in the era of territories. And uh, most of the time in a territory, either the owner was a top baby face or you booker was a top baby face. And, gentlemen, you just don't know how hard it was to try to get over in a territory like that, but see, being at the right place at the right time, holding you cool. So the time we went to Mid-South, that's when Bill Watts was uh, wanting to retire from wrestling. And then he hired a booker, Bill Dundee, that when we came in, that didn't work. So now we have the green light because we, we, we got to take this territory to another standard. You, you understand me? It's not all the big guys in the wrestling business all of a sudden, you got these young, I guess you could say it, good-looking baby faces coming in. You got Jimmy Cornette, Bobby Eaton, and Dennis Condry at that time that just absolutely knew how to work, uh, absolutely knew how to get heat, and absolutely knew how to keep it. Man, this is something that, that is hard to even explain in these days. And, Tommy, I, I know that you've been out here on the road in big house. But guys, to go and watch how this business changed overnight from, you know, from us being the second fiddle in Memphis from the fabulous ones to Motley Crue in, in, the, in the wrestling business. And it's hard to explain. And it's not about me. Please don't say I'm thinking that. And I say this today, you know, and Tommy, you know, you, you run territories, you run big businesses. It takes everybody. It takes everybody to make that one thing work. Uh, we didn't have contracts. And when you depend on each other to make a living, it makes a hell of a lot of difference. This is what I'm trying to explain before we get into the Mid-South area uh, about how it really was it, you know it wasn't like boom we was there i mean our, our business changed you had some of the vicious bookers in the world and some of their owners you know they didn't want you over in their territory and i gotta say this for me bill watts told me the two years that robert and i were there and he had his territory i think for maybe 15 years he said he made more money in the two years that we were there than he did the whole time he owned it and uh Thing. When that's a that's a big deal, dude. When you you've said so many things that like I use as like a, a bookmark. When Bill Dundee brought you in and he goes to uh because I've spoken to Bill and this is common knowledge, then he was just like, Where's the guys who are gonna draw the girls? And in, in the original ECW, when we saw women starting to come to our shows, we were like, Oh my god, we're making it. And you saw the houses grow and it was the cool thing to do. The other part, I remember you pulled me aside. I don't even know if you remember this. This was also in the original ECW. You're like, man, do you know how many of these old timers want to see us fail? And by us, the midnights and the rock and roll. And we were doing shit 
that people had never seen before. Just go out there and do you. You told me this. Yes. And you like, cause what you guys did was revolutionary. It was 20, 30 years before it's time. It was done a little bit in Mexico with like your, your, your Frankenstein or your, your suicide dive, but never on a, you know, national television show during this era. And it was just so different. And you guys looked to the perfect part. It was just an amazing thing to see. Like I'm currently watching it on Peacock and I'm like, I'm watching the explosion of this company. It's, it's beautiful in its essence. Man, I appreciate that, Tommy. And, but understanding in our business, everybody, even the job boys were great workers. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that you got to understand. And, and, and nobody was afraid to do what they had to do to get this, to get that situation over with. So we go in and in Mid-South again, it's, it was a uh, very Dorso, which is Crusher Khrushchev and Nikolai Fokov. They were the Russians. Now you seen us do the same version, the NWA with Ivan Kolov and, and Barry, but you see, and I'm, I'm and I'm really going to tell you this to see how the, how our business changed when Robert and I first went in to Mid South. I believe Abdullah the Butcher was the top babyface, and the reason why is because Bill Watts just beat him in their angle, and they got another heel coming in that's going to work with Abdullah for for he to beat Abdullah for Bill Watts to work with him. But you see, all this is happening and changing at the same time. And now, uh, and I got to say, man, they got they got the Russians over. They beat everybody. They beat Johnny Walker, Magnum TA, which is wrestling too, and, and Magnum, the top. You know, they they did their angles and went through them. And they and we and the MTV era is what I call it, where Memphis ran the videos on us and the music, and, and all of a sudden they they show this on TV. And nobody's ever seen this before. And you made a, a good remark a while ago, Tommy, because in every business, <laughs> look at here, women, food, and liquor are your top drawers in the world. And when you put out, I mean, and they did, they give you know, the food, the women, they did, and, they, and Louisiana was the wildest place I've ever been in. Why, you could drive through a daiquiri shack and get a double side of crown, you know? And it was, and they put all this together. And, and Bill, he worked it so good. And what the, and we were over here working the Russians, building our way up. And the Midnight Express was over here, going through everybody, building their way up. Now, Jimmy Cornette talking about us this whole time. You know, the Expresses, the Expresses. And then when we met at the top, that's when the roof just actually blew off. Of the mid south area uh and uh and what an education too you know learning from from guys you know and i and i tell you know i have a wrestling school and i tell people all the time i says you know i can't teach you to work you have to teach yourself to work because working with different guys every night that are a lot better than you are, you're learning from them and not just wrestling that same person all the time. You're going through everybody. It's so good. And what a transition it, it this made. I was, you know, it's just to me, it, it's mind blowing to go back and think about it because in all the years, it seems like yesterday. That's how quick time goes by. 
because everyone talked about it. It was the best territory, but the worst territory for travel. Um, you do TV at the Irish McNeil's Boys Club. Then yeah, okay. tell me what your schedule was after TV. Okay, we, we did TV every other Tuesday. Uh, and, and understand, in, in Louisiana in those days, you only had one interstate. Okay, and it went east to west. That was Interstate 10. Uh, you didn't have all the main roads that you had now. You had two-lane highways. Now, uh, I'm going to start from the for the Monday, because I know, because we did TV every other Tuesday. Okay. But we did New Orleans every Monday night. Uh, we did Baton Rouge uh, every Wednesday night. Now, see, Streetport was at TV. We did TV all day, and, and you did that. But every other week, we'd go back to Shreveport, but we'd be at the auditorium downtown, the old uh, Louisiana Hayride building where Elvis Presley used to play. What a great building, too. And uh, all the buildings. And then uh, every other Thursday, you did Little Rock, Arkansas, which is 400 miles straight up, <laughs> two-lane highways all the way up there uh, and get back every other week. And see, we didn't have, you know, none of your motels were paid for. None of your flights were paid for. Uh, if you did that, you paid for it yourself. So uh, every other weekend... We'd go to uh, Oklahoma City on a Sunday afternoon and then Tulsa on a Sunday night. And, and understand me, we're in Tulsa Sunday night. The next day, we're back all the way in New Orleans, Louisiana for Monday night. And then we did a lot of our spot shows, which your spot shows were big shows then. You know, you had Blessy, Mississippi. We had Jackson, Mississippi every other week. They vice versa, those home of Louisiana, way down in the French Quarter. Uh, it, you know, so many towns. Oh, we, had, we did Lake Charles every other Thursday, too. You know, we went in Little Rock. We were in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And that's how they switched them out. It was a long, rough, hard territory. But I'm a young kid at the time. Uh, Bill Watts, and don't get me wrong, but they just say he was a hard ass, but, but he wasn't. All he asked you to do is be there at 7 o'clock. And Robert and I were the only, and, and dressed like you're a professional wrestler. Robert and I were the only two that was allowed to wear blue jeans because we were the Rock and Roll Express, but they had to have a crease in them. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, with a jacket. Had to have a sports jacket on. I, uh, but Bill, he, you know, he was, but he was fair. He was fair to me. I was, you know, I didn't have no problem with him. I mean, I, I knew I was making him money, but, but what he asked, I did it. And, uh, and then when we did do our angles, when the crowd started changing, uh, he made it for the hills or everybody. You couldn't leave till the show was over because Mark's hit the ring every night. Uh, so much heat these guys had. And, uh, that not only them, but all the hills, uh, you know, Buddy Landell, Butch Reed, uh, Ray Hernandez, when he, you know, he didn't, all these guys. I mean, you'd be surprised just to, to understand, to watch the matches. And, and, and you know, I'll be out watching the matches and first and second matches. And, and, and Mark's hit the ring. Bobby Eaton would catch him before he even got in the ring. I think that we had to, that worked. That, I mean, the, the hills had so much heat. You know, and Bill Watts, you couldn't even 
we never talked to the Hills. You never say you never shared a dressing room with them. And I'm, and I'm telling you that you didn't maybe at TV we did, but we went to come out other doors, you know, they were on the other side of the buildings everywhere in that, but the mid South area guys, I would not take nothing for that experience because that's what made Robert and I, that's what we learned. We went to school, we went to college in the mid South area. My dad told me when I was young, he said, Ricky tag team wrestling. It's what you want to do in this business because I'm telling you, the baby faces on the territory or the bookers pushing yourself. If you're in a tag team, it's a whole different thing. People say, Ricky Morton, you're one of the best baby faces in the world. You, Shawn Michaels, and Ricky Steamboat know a guy named Ken Lucas was the best baby face ever in this business. And he taught me how to be a baby face, to fire, how to sell. This is things that people forget about in the younger days. Uh, we played second fiddle to the fabulous ones in, uh, in Memphis. And the reason why, because Jerry Lawler was going to go opposition of Jerry Jarrett and the fabulous ones was over. And he come to Texas and got me and went to Florida and got Robert. He said, I think you and Robert will make a great tag team. And I'm looking for another tag team partner to go to the big territories to, to make the money. And just like magic, it happened. Okay. You know, you're kind of like the answer to the fabulous ones, but it was really in Mid-South that they're like, I guess Bill Watts had the confidence that this is my tag team. This is my top tag yes. team. Did you get that? Did you get that confidence? And did you get that from somebody no, like well, Bill Watts? Uh, you know, that's when Vince McMahon is running all these shows and all these promoters got together to run a big show in Memphis to go against Vince. I don't know if you remember that or not. It was, you know, the Crockett's, uh, uh, Eddie Graham, Bill Watts, and they all come in. And let me tell you guys, we were second fiddle. Robert and I was on the show, and I never forget this. The show was over, and they're having their big meeting. And uh, Eddie Graham just stood up. He said, guys, I know you brought all your top guys from your territory that everybody's seen. And listen to me. and be a, I'm a kid, and he says this. He says, but you see these two kids over here? This boy here sold for 25 minutes and never buried his partner. He gave him a hot tag and the roof come off, and they got beat in the match and still over better than anybody I see on the old show tonight. He said, I don't know which direction you're going. And he says, that's the two boys you need to push. And that's when Bill Watts, you know, him and Bill Watts are talking. That's when Bill Watts offered us a job. In Louisiana, because he was retired, he was looking for something new, being at the right place at the right time, buddy. A lot of people, when they look back at the territory system, they mm -hmm. go back and they look at Mid South as being the best. Do you think that Mid South was the greatest territory of all time? Oh no, no, no. What was? Yeah. Memphis, Tennessee was, bro. Okay. Memphis was the greatest territory. Now let me tell you, Memphis was selling out long before Robert and I were there. Uh, Jerry Lawler, I got my hats off to him. Ric Flair, to me, was the greatest world champion. Jerry Lawler, one of the best workers I ever put on a pair of boots. I think he's the greatest. He knew he was selling out Memphis in the 70s. And in Memphis, if it didn't sell out on Monday night, they changed everything. But you got to understand it went from Memphis to Louisville to Evansville to every one of them sold out every week. 
some of the greatest views, one of the greatest education that I ever had. And I was going to say this right here about the fabulous ones. They try to buck Jerry Lawler <laughs> and you can't fight, you know, you can't fight City Hall. Uh, so Robert and I left and they still didn't get him. So they thought, well, hell with this, we're going to go to AWA. You hear me? AWA for Burn Ganya. And they're wrestling the Road Warriors. <laughs> Getting their ass whooped every night. <laughs> All right. That goes to show you. And that was the end of the fabulous one. But I got to say this Stan Lane, you know, when Dennis just dropped out of the, out of, he just dropped, he just left. And it's hard to do this sometimes. But they put Stan Lane in his place. It didn't miss a beat. Didn't miss a beat. Why? Because Stan was a great heel and a great worker. Uh, Ricky, you've worked with every version of the Midnight Express, and that also includes Randy Rose, uh, Norvell Norval Austin. Austin. Um, I think Phil Hickerson was even part of a, a yes, Midnight Express. Sure um, favorite version for you? Well, the favorite version is always going to be the first. It was uh, uh, Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry. Uh, understand Dennis was older than us. And Dennis, what a what a teacher, what a professor he was in the ring, too. Matter of fact, that's how Bobby learned to work, and I promise you that. He learned from Dennis. He learned how to be that heel from Dennis. Because every night we're in the ring. Like I said, we didn't go over matches. We didn't go over spots. And Dennis is in the ring, but he's he's directing traffic, uh, and I'm serious because uh, it always. But but you see, that's just it, it, that's what made us. Yep. And, and my favorites towards him, you know, was Stan was great, you know, and it just matter of fact, they put a new light in us when Stan came in there because of the. What a good-looking guy he is. <laughs> you hear me? In his day, he was a good-looking man. And being that heel and standing in the ring, you know, the guys hated him yep. and that. But it did us and Bobby. Mr. Morton, thank you so much for the time, of course. Ricky Morton, as Tommy said, not only one of the greatest tag team wrestlers of all time, but one of the greatest babyface wrestlers of all time. All right, we'll be back. This has been fun. Legacy of the Territories, Mid-South Wrestling. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This is Busted Open's presentation of the Legacy of the Territories. 
Mid-South Wrestling with your hosts, Dave LaGreca and ECW legend, Tommy Dreamer. Tommy, a great interview with Ricky Morton. Before we react to Ricky Morton, though, Tommy, I want to ask you, I mean, you talked about the biggest moment probably in Mid-South history with that feud between Michael Hayes and Junkyard Dog and the match they had at the Superdome. But what's your personal favorite moment of Mid-South wrestling? Uh, I don't really in particular have a favorite moment. Uh, my favorite angle is the one I described with uh, Ted DiBiase uh, turning, going from complete the number one heel to the number one baby face in one match with the whole Ric Flair uh getting brain busted on the floor by Dick Murdoch. There was just so many great moments. And as a performer, that's what we live for. And it's like, you know, that opening clip, always like the music and like rock and roll express hitting the double drop kick. Um, Jim Cornette going into the, into the birthday cake, the midnight express hitting that there's just so Magnum TA belly to bellying, uh, Butch Reed or Mr. Wrestling 2. There's so much. It was great storytelling. Week after week was just so great. Like, and when Mr. Wrestling number two, like, turned on Magnum TA or Hacksaw Jim Duggan becoming like this uber mega babyface, the tuxedo matches um, that are so absurd if you really think about it. Like, but Ted DiBiase explained, like, he's high class and um, Jay, uh, Jim Duggan is low class and he couldn't look good in a tuxedo and it made everything special when they have these matches. And, you know, I, I never got to see the junkyard dog blinding angle, but it was what, you know, the catalyst for their big explosion, but just, you know, reading uh, people's books and, and listening, you know, one book I highly recommend is the grapplers book. Cause he talks about being the youngest North American champion getting pushed in the same, you know, being the champ and then went beating Andre the Giant and Dusty Rhodes and then asking for more money and, you know, in a conversation with Dusty Rhodes and then Dusty's like, hey, man, you're not there yet. And then literally his career got no. And like Dusty said, don't do that to Bill. And then his career kind of didn't hit the same peak it ever did. But just so many different moments for everybody. I mean, it's hard to pick out one. I'm sure you may have a few, but it's seriously, man, it was each and every week, you know, uh, Andre getting body slammed by Kamala. Like, it was just like, yeah. huh? Like, cause nobody could do that. And, and just uh, Kamala coming off the top rope, just each and every week gave you such great memories. It's hard to pick out one. Yeah. And Tommy for me, and it was like, I didn't get mid South wrestling. So the only mid South I saw was from tape trading. Uh, the back of Wrestling Review Magazine had the tape trading and the pen pals, and I was able to see that match that Terry Taylor had with the Nature Boy Ric Flair at the Superdome, which was absolutely tremendous. And then the WWE put out a DVD decades later where Terry Taylor talked about that match where, you know, Ric Flair shows up to the Superdome hungover, a, a complete mess. And Terry Taylor's like, oh, my gosh, like, I got to wrestle this guy. This is the match of my career. And look at him. He's hung over. And Terry Taylor it describes how Ric Flair said, hey, man, just give me a cup of coffee and wake me up 30 minutes before the match. And that's exactly what happened. He has the cup of coffee, takes his nap, 
And then 45 minutes into the match, Terry Taylor is begging Ric Flair, let's end this, please. Like, stop this match. Like, tremendous stories and tremendous matches. But then finally, I got to see Mid-South Wrestling, Tommy, on WTBS. And, you, man, you called it. That, that opening theme of Mid-South Wrestling with the montage of, you know, the Rock and Roll Express double dropkick, Cornette's face going into the cake, you know, uh, Magnum TA's belly-to-belly suplex. Just great moments, great memories. I, I absolutely love Mid-South Wrestling. Now let's get into uh, the Ricky Morton interview because there's a lot to talk about. If I could Ricky go uh, a go few ahead. others. Steve Dr. Yeah. Death Williams pressing Buzz Sawyer, like repping him out, uh, was insane to me, as well as Butch Reed's, you know, press. My other thing, and when you talk about influence, you know, everyone will joke about the coal miners glove match because of then what we saw in w, but in WCW, but for there it worked. And the explanation of why these coal miners have to wear these steel gloves, something that was straight up stolen was, and I'll remember they're burying the cowboy. My God, the Russians are burying the cowboy and a bloody Bill Watts got the Russian flag put over him. And then that I'm a proud American. Um, we did that in ECW when Rob Van Dam buried me under the WWF banner. And it was like real heat. And, and f- for those, if you experience it, I mean, you, you, Ricky talks about it and that that's where, you know, when we're talking about the Ricky morning, interview, you don't understand heat. You don't understand people hating you so much. They're going to stab you. They're going to, punch you they're going to try to you know bring a gun to the arena and kill you or meeting you after you leave like i hate you so much i'm gonna wait till i find you walking out of the building to either damage your car or try to do damage to you that is next level next and that's what all the heels had to live with if you walked into a bar because then if the boss finds out this isn't the era of social media that you got into a fight and you didn't beat everybody in that bar up, you're let go because then you're proven you're not tough. So it, it's just like these things are unthinkable for this generation. But it like then you say, then why doesn't people draw the way it should draw? And it's for moments like that. It really and truly is because heat is real. When you have a, an emotional, visceral reaction towards something that I hate is different because now if it's something that you hate, you just go to social media and you yeah. talk about it. Yeah. Well, let's different. get into that. Let's get into that Ricky Morton interview, Tommy. If uh, there's one word that describes Ricky Morton, it's passion. And he still loves wrestling so, so much. And, you know, like he said, there's so many lessons to be learned and, from when he told me, because you know how high I hold Ricky Morton in babyface dumb, that Ken Lucas is one of the greatest babyface, if not the greatest babyface. And now I'm like, okay, I need to go watch Ken Lucas. And because I, ne- I, was- I never saw him. <laughs> and I know no. he was part of Ricky's early um, career. But it's just, man, when he talks about it and... and he talks about it not to to rip people up or like, but he just wants you to learn to leave the business better, and it's it's from coming from from experience. It really is like 
he lived it and he's still living yeah. it. I, when we talk about, uh, cause we were, we were together and somebody had said, yeah, that'll get heat. And at the end of it, me and him looked at each other and I was like, it's heat, what they think is heat, but it's not heat. And then when it's done correctly, it becomes heat. And how I know this is because I just experienced it with our very own Bully Ray when we had, hey, security, watch these people behind him. We think they're going to get him. And I even like, it's just when it's done correctly, and it has been done correctly in other you know places, but it's just for them, it was nightly because that's how they made their money. That's how they paid their, their family. And it was just such an amazing time of this amazing territory. And, and I tell this when people ask me about like, hey, I'm, a, I'm an aspiring wrestler. I tell them, go watch Mid-South Championship Wrestling, 1983 to 84, because everybody did everything perfect how you're supposed to be when you're a professional wrestler. Everything was from the middle. And every wrestler there who was at that time should have been called Mr. Perfect. And everybody who became, like all these Hall of Famers, cut their teeth in Mid-South. Yeah. And, you know, you said it when we were talking about the Junkyard Dog, but, like, that was the best version of him. But, I mean, from, uh, you know, Butch Reed, Dick Murdoch, from people that, like, constant repeat business the assassins went there but then when ricky ricky said stuff you know when we talk about politics all that stuff the pure brilliance of bill watts is not no longer want to make himself number one and the booker is not going to make himself number one so then that's when i say this business is real because their real talent is what got them so over and it's that simple and it really has to be that way and when you put your personal differences aside when you put all that stuff is like, man, I can make money this way. Awesome. And then like, I mean, even for me, man, I'm wrestling 33 years. And for, I have been told to finish in the ring, but I'm in Japan. But for go back now and watch that where, hey, this stuff was ad-libbed or, hey, this stuff just happened when moments ago they got what was happening. Think of how great of true professionals they are. Really like next level, next level. This is like, I know it's it's a territories podcast, but it's a master's class for the industry from the men yeah. who lived it. And you I just tell he's a te you can tell he's a teacher, uh, Tommy. Uh, you can you can tell why his school is so successful. But a couple of things from what you just said, you know, reacting to what Ricky Morton said in our interview. Number one, like everyone could work. He said even the enhancement wrestlers, they all could work. Like you said, everyone's Mister Perfect. And as you just said too, Tommy, where Bill Watts, you know, all he cared about was the territory. He wasn't care. He didn't care about getting himself over or carrying a championship because he wasn't working at the time. Bill Dundee, who was the other booker, wasn't working at the time. You look at some of the other territories, like the AWA, Vern Gagne is on top. You look at world-class championship wrestling. It was always a Von Erich that was on top. Like it was always, you know, somebody that was either – you know, the owner themselves or related to the owner, not the case uh, when it came to Mid-South Wrestling. And then you look at the success of Mid-South Mid Wrestling from 1979 to 86, you know, because Vince McMahon, and I, of course, Vince McMahon and the WWF time is going to be a constant thread through all our territory shows because Vince McMahon was 
really the person who killed off the territory system by going national and then everyone following suit. When Bill, Bill Watts went national in 1986, it pretty much killed off the territory because by going national, calling it the UWF, at first extremely successful, but then within the year, it completely failed. And then Jim Crockett, I thought, definitely uh, nailed the last nail in that coffin by just, I, I think, for the most part, having his entire roster going over everyone on that UWF roster when he bought it. In Dude, that's just ego, and it's friggin' horrible because, I mean, again, history repeating stuff because then we saw it with the with uh, the Alliance. Same same yep. stuff and how successful the first one was, and then, eh, not so much. Sadly, those things repeat itself. The best part about it is when you look at the industry of the whole, you look at, like, one of my favorite angles of all time was the Ted DiBiase turn against Ric Flair with Dick Murdoch. That whole episode was based upon Ted DiBiase, who went from most hated for most beloved in one instant. And you think about like that Irish McNeil's boys club, how small it was, but yet how packed it was. And like to the right, you would see like a basketball, uh, you know, hoop. And you'd see sometimes like fans in the background when the wrestlers were coming through, but the revolutionary stuff that they had done still gets done today. Uh, I know, you know, um, Tony Khan was a big fan of mid South and it just had the perfect mix of everything that made wrestling. Great. You can talk, you can work and you have great angles and it like Ricky lived it. It's printing money. And it's just, it was such, it's a lost time. It's an amazing time. Um, The territory system can never work again because like you can have your local wrestling be great, but you need these platforms for people to see you. We were blessed to see it on TBS and you and I were all, you know, off air talking about the ratings and the numbers that they did. And, And it was just insane levels of people watching this thing called Mid-South and later became UWF. The expansion, like you said, had heard it, but it was just like another man, what if? It really truly is. Because, you know, we Terry Taylor, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and then what does he become? He becomes opening act somewhere else. Yeah, he's yeah. not the biggest. Think of also this, and when I'm talking about Ricky Morton, that his father had the foresight to understand this business and say, you're not the biggest, get over in a tag team because no booker is really going to care about that. Like when he was telling me that, I'm like, holy crap, he's right. He really is. The only other booker that was in a tag team was Jody Hamilton and the Assassins. And he booked all these, you know, Oli, but Oli was also a single guy. But yeah. you'd have your you'd have your world guy, but then you're, it's just, it, dude, it's it's just... It's such an amazing deep dive, and I love these things for the stories that we hear and uh, just by the men who lived it. it. It's just next level for me. And then we also have to mention Jim Ross, you know, uh, Hall of Famer. That guy got his start there, yeah, too. Yeah, you know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest announcer in the history of pro wrestling, getting his start in Mid-South Wrestling. And, you know, Jim Ross has stories about Leroy McGurk and Bill Watts. Because uh, he was, you know, under that learning tree, uh, wrestling in Mid-South. And, you know, that's where he got his start. And, man, all down the line, you know, people that went on to be huge stars in the WWF slash WWE, like you mentioned, 
you know, Junkyard Dog and Butch Reed and Hacksaw Jim Duggan and then, you know, Hall of Famers like the Rock and Roll Express and Ricky Morton, Ricky Morton that we just spoke to, you know, maybe when you look at the territories, Tommy, if not the best, the most star-studded territory of all time, Mid-South Wrestling? Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's funny when you say, in wrestling, oh, everything's been done to death. I, I watching this for the first time where Hacksaw Jim Duggan's Cadillac got destroyed or his El Dorado in the parking lot, backstage stuff, taking us behind the scenes where in this kayfabe world, we don't understand what's going on, but like, oh, we're backstage and this guy's getting medical attention. And this, this Jim, uh, Bill Watts, he, for this minor details, I remember that him saying, where are all the good guys coming to help? Because the baby face got laid out. And he said, hey, they had to make it to the next town. He said it on commentary. And then to me, I was like, oh, well, that explains why people aren't hitting the ring. And it's connecting the truth. The dots. Yeah, connecting and the dots. And we always say it's the little things that wrestling fans want so much. And that's what they did then. From, from the little things to the biggest things. And that's why we're still talking today. Thank you, David. Love it. Mid-South Wrestling. Thank you for listening to Legacy of the Territories. Don't forget, we're going to do a lot more territories. You can find it right here on the Busted Open Podcast. Please subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. We'll talk to you next time right here on a very special edition of Busted Open, Legacy of the Territories. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, Please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream the podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.